0: Whether it's the Sherlock Holmes Tour in London, the night helicopter flight over Las Vegas, or whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon, whatever you're into, you'll find an experience you love. Discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at getyourguide.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb,
2: and I'm Julie Douglas.
1: And uh, we just finished talking about old people and robots a little bit in our last Living with Robots podcast. Because, yes. as we discussed there, we're looking at a future full of old people. I mean, we will probably we're going to yeah. be some of those old people, uh, probably, and. Uh, and somebody's going to have to look after them, after them, and there are going to be fewer young people to take care of all these old people. Yeah, or the yeah. young people will be busy doing their stuff and you know going into space and all that, <laughs> and they're going to leave this this planet. Of are you saying that the behind. young
2: people are going on the generation ship and they're leaving all yes. the the old people behind?
1: Yeah, we'll have an, an oldie planet. I mean, it'll be very peaceful, lots of parks, lots of feeding squirrels. Maybe,
2: maybe because as we discussed in the last podcast, it could be a bunch of marauding. Senior citizens with their exoskeletons just skating right past you. You don't even, you don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, in this podcast, we're going to explore this topic a little, a little closer um, and a little deeper, and really get down into the nitty gritty of uh, all right. So we we want robots to help take care of the elderly, or Mm -hmm. we want them to take care of the elderly entirely. Um, Let's start hashing out some designs. Yeah, because. Needless to say your common assembly line robot is incapable of caring for grandma. I mean it you there's a you go you, you see like an assembly line robot it's going to have uh, barriers up around it because mm-hmm. it cannot work safely next to humans. And the, what we're talking about here is is a, is a much I mean, it's very far removed from that concept because A, right. it has to be able to work around people without killing them. Not only that, it has to be able to do things like help a fragile individual with daily tasks such as, you know, get, getting in and out of the bathtub, um, uh, using the restroom, helping them feed them, helping them, right. uh, to know what kind of medication to take at any given time
2: and anticipate their needs. That's right. huge.
1: And do all this while moving around in a human environment and potentially feeding off of, uh, of human yeah these human cues the human emotional cues mm-hmm. i mean how hard is it to understand what's going on in the mind of a of, of the average person around you um it's fairly difficult but uh but could we make a, a robot that could possibly at least get some of the subtle, the subtle clues
2: well they're trying right yeah. right and that's that's what we're going to talk about today can we build a better bot right and you know what are some of the challenges um, and, and right now, I mean, we, again, let's just talk about the, the, um, aging population again real quick, uh, particularly in Japan. It's called the gray yen. Um, it is called that because it's providing a growing market in Japan for these uh, services. The gray yen. The gray yen. Almost 22% of the population is over the age of 65. And they can also, this is the other note, uh, to this. They can also afford a bit more.
1: The jet black yen, uh, buys a lot of toys, though. And, and electronic gadgets. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the Are sterling, those, the sterling
2: just means you get to hang out with, uh, Richard Branson. Oh, okay. Yeah. On one of his shuttle flights. It's called the gray yen shuttle flight sterling. All right, edition. I like this.
1: I like this. The, the economy of a nation as divided up into hair colors.
2: Oh, I was thinking it, it was, <laughs> I was thinking it was more like the American express card, like the platinum
1: and the red yen is, is really adventurous and outgoing though, right? I uh, kind of like that dyed red hair.
2: Yes, you know. yeah, they're all a little yeah. loose.
1: Oh, oh, and also, oh,
2: watch out with exoskeletons and the red yen.
1: Yeah. Oh, and then there's, I guess, the blonde yen because you have the um, what? There's a particular um, fad in Japan where the uh the women dress up like uh like dolls. Uh oh, why is this eluding me? Um,
2: it's not. Is it part of kawaii?
1: It, it 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 factors into kawaii, but there's a there's, there's a this idea of lo, lolita. Oh oh, yes, And then there's a Lolita Noir where they dress up like dark Lolitas, and oh, it's fascinating. There's a whole other,
2: by the way. There's a whole other like uh, underground uh, economy with the Lolita girls, by the way, and older men. But we won't talk about that today. Uh, (laughs) getting back on track. Um, so yeah, we're we're talking about you know this this aging population of of old men looking for Lolitas, um and just to, again to put this in more context by 2055 four out of 10 japanese will be classified as elderly
1: okay. okay
2: so it makes sense that they're the ones that are really going after this this problem of of aging really um and in fact there's the, just so you know how they've been preparing there's actually a tokyo based company called prop that has created airbags for the elderly
1: yes uh you sent me the link to this and it's it's pretty fascinating because it's kind of exactly what it sounds like yeah uh, it's like this kind of robotic harness that you wear, and it has uh, these airbags that'll sort of shoot up around the head and around the hips, because these are of course the, the most vulnerable areas of right. of, the, of the old body. Um, you don't want to hit your head, damage the brain. You don't want to hit the hips. Hips, it's fragile, replacement, very difficult right. to, to deal with. Yeah, so. These uh, cushions that uh, pop up—they weigh two and a half pounds each and are tied around the waist. And they're activated by electric uh, sensors that can feel a sudden change in movement. As soon as the alarm goes off, uh, fifteen liters of compressed air inject into these inflatable pads, mm-hmm. puff them up, and then ideally, when you fall backwards—and you can only fall backwards in
2: this—right. By the way,
1: yeah, never then,
2: pitch forward.
1: Right. Well, I guess it—it's kind of like in. Uh, to bring up pro wrestling again, uh, like a lot of those guys, like they train to take bumps. Yeah, and they try. The generally you want to bump right on your back. And I've I've heard some of these guys talk about like they train so. Is this
2: locker room talk?
1: No, well, I don't go to locker rooms, but well, what I mean, do you mean the you y want to a locker room?
2: The bump, bump on your back. What does that mean?
1: To take a bump is to fall. Okay. Like, like, Anytime in a wrestling match we see a, a guy like take a punch or a slam mm-hmm. and he hits the, the, the canvas, he's taking a bump. Okay. okay? And so they train for this just to, to take the bump in an optimal fashion so that it doesn't really do much damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it will do a lot of damage over time perhaps, but generally you want to fall flat on your back. So okay. you take this flat bump on your back. And I've heard some of these guys talk about to, to where they're, they're trained to such a point that if they sl- were to slip on milk in the grocery store, mm-hmm. they would take up a back bump.
2: Because oh, wow. you don't want
1: to fall on your side. Or so this on your could face. be
2: a useful skill,
1: right? In so general. I'm thinking you just need to train up the elderly. I think the elderly <laughs> professional wrestlers in Japan will will be the really be the ones to try this out. Yeah, I'm it. just
2: thinking about Hulk Hogan, like you know, uh, carrying out these workshops for the elderly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, here's the thing though, too, that that's so cool about these airbags is that they can inflate in 0.1 second, nice or
1: seconds, yeah. the time it takes for an Tenth old person to topple. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so actually that's really helpful. I mean, if you're going to fall backward, right? Um, and then there are partner robots that Toyota is, has been creating and getting into the game of offering assistance for the elderly and the disabled.
1: Yeah. In fact, this is just like we're recording this. What is this? The second week of November or the first? I really can't keep track second. of this. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and I have no idea when it's actually publishing like the third or fourth week. Yeah. Of, yeah.
2: For in, you, it's like November. Halloween and then nothing else. Right. I'm getting it.
1: Yeah, after Halloween it's just this busy mess of holidays, yeah, yeah. And visits and trips and yeah. Da, 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 da you know. But um but but anyway, so the the first week of November uh actually of 2011, Toyota Motor Co- Corporation in Toyota City in Japan. Mm-hmm. I somehow was not aware that they Toyota had its own city in Japan. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um they 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 were really launching forward with this idea that that Toyota is really concerned about about working on these bots, making a making a, a priority, and partner bots are a big deal, and and not just in nursing and healthcare, but also in personal transport, manufacturing, domestic duties. Like it this, all goes into the idea of if we are going to develop a, a future where where robots are doing work for us, mm-hmm. we want to develop robots that can learn tasks alongside humans, right, and then eventually do them on their own. Like can so, you get
2: that peanut butter for me? Right. Or, so yeah.
1: So like the first logical step, well maybe not the first, but one of the first logical steps, uh, uh, definitely a stopover on the way to this future, um, is the reality of helper bots, a bot mm-hmm. that's going to help a human with with various tasks. So you end up uh, with basically like four different areas mm-hmm. uh, that that are essential, as laid out by Toyota. Uh, one, independent walk assist. All right, and this is the, the idea of just supporting independent walking for people whose ability has been impaired. Um,
2: so these are sort of like you fit your legs into this device. Yes. And it will actually help you. It's It's got to have some sort of pneumatic device in it, but it will help you actually uh, get upstairs, walk around. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's like an exoskeleton or at least mm-hmm. a limited exoskeleton. Yeah. Um,
2: no nanocarbon tubes in it that no, will give you super strength. No, but like
1: super Terminator power armor with uh, with uh, power axes and all that. But yeah. but, but still, yeah. you know, it's it's the 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 idea is that say the legs are weak or inoperable, but the exoskeleton around them can help do the walking or do the walking for them. Mm-hmm. Um, walk training assist. This is uh, this is uh, similar. Balance training assists. This is like robots developed to support balance function training with people with impaired balance. So it's, think a combination of a two-wheeled self-balancing type deal, mm-hmm. uh, with game elements aimed at making this kind of training enjoyable.
2: Right. So, I mean, that would be actually really helpful if you're, if you're growing through physical therapy as well, right? If right. You're trying to regain your yeah. mobility. Yeah. And, and also
1: bear in mind, you're like gaming old people, but come on, we're talking about, a lot, we're talking a large part about today's, uh, young or middle-aged people. Right. Many of whom are gamers, especially uh in, you know, Japan has a big gaming culture as well. Mm-hmm. So imagine in the future, yeah, there's gonna the gamification of physical therapy is is just a no brainer,
2: right? So right now there would be like a bingo program on right. there, but in the future it would be like a I don't know what like World of Warcraft, right? For for our generation, yeah, or whatever, like is, these retro games,
1: whatever's big uh, in in Japan. I, I I don't know if World of Warcraft is big in Japan, yeah, is but it, I'm
2: just saying like when, when we're like, like futzing around. In our sunset years, we'll Mm -hmm. be like, oh, let me just program this to World of Warcraft and and think about those great fuzzy memories of playing in my yesteryear. Yeah. Years. (laughs)
1: Uh, And then the fourth area is patient transfer assist. And this is really – I found this to be the most exciting. And this is the – The idea that a lot of caring for uh, not only the elderly, but anyone who, uh, like, even people who are just really sick, Mm -hmm. people who are in the hospital for various things, uh, a lot of the caregiving uh, comes down to moving the patient around.
2: Yeah, and it's physically demanding for the caregiver.
1: Yeah, because you're having to move. Just if you're moving a person, say they're not even particularly fragile, they don't have uh, you know anything particularly wrong with them, you're still talking about moving a a sizable person from, Mm -hmm. say, their bed to a bathtub, from Mm -hmm. their bed to a toilet, Mm -hmm. moving them around just enough to even... uh, uh, you know, to bathe them with a sponge bath or, or, or administer a bedpan type situation or just to prevent bed sores and really immobile people. Right. Um, the idea is that you have a robot with like a weight supporting arm that actually helps out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some, some really cool pictures of this, um, also surfaced from this, uh, Toyota event. And, and, and they're, they're really cool because, and, and I'm, I'm not, I mean, they're also easy to kind of make fun of because it's like, it's a robot helping a dude sit on a toilet while a nurse helps. But but yeah. the thing is, like, if you put yourself in the, in the mindset of that dude or mm-hmm. that nurse, like, this is awesome. Because suddenly you have a situation where only one nurse has to help this guy go to the bathroom, which is well, great for the nurses, great for the guy, and eventually could lead to the situation where this dude can have assistance mm-hmm. using the restroom, uh, you know, the very private act that none of us want help with. I mean, most, most of us of don't us, want, yeah. don't want help with it unless we're, we're, we're very young or very weird. Um, uh,
2: well, we don't judge fetish. Well,
1: no, I no, mean, okay. You know, All right. All like, right. Yeah. If you like help going to the bathroom, that's great. Yeah. But, uh, and if you, but if you, but the idea is if the robot is helping you, mm-hmm. then every, I think more people can get into the idea
2: well it would be far less
1: humiliating right you gain some independence too, which
2: is a really important um you know when you're aging yeah and
1: And again importantly also if you're staffing a hospital to care for older people the idea that one person uh or even zero actual humans are having to help with this task and they can therefore uh, apply their skills elsewhere
2: well you know that i i that i love potty humor and um so of course when you showed me the video i was going to react to it but it it wasn't just because the, the guy was being, you know, was sitting on the, the uh, toilet with assistance. It was that he was wearing like Lycra jogging pants, mm-hmm. like, you know, the ones that are really tight and they were black and shiny. And then as you described, like this, this sort of prison yellow and white striped shirt and pants over that
1: well yeah well toyota didn't want to actually bring a guy on stage and I, have a robot yeah, pull his pants down
2: i appreciate that yeah. it was just really distracting so i was like i don't get it is he gonna go running after this is he in prison both i don't know
1: yeah well they could have gone more in the direction of the um the fire toilet remember the gas powered incinerator incinerator
2: instant incinilator? That's, that's what's I can't what coming up. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. This was uh, just in case anybody has uh, never seen this, you can go onto YouTube and see this. And, uh, there is a woman that is using a toilet that is, uh, it's a fire toilet, right? It's, it's-
1: yeah, it's basically a fire toilet. It's gas powered or, or, yeah, gas powered flames down there that incinerate the, um, the waste product that uh, one produces on the toilet.
2: And again, this is fine. This is great. It's actually used in Navy ships. But it, I again, I take issue with the aesthetics of it because the woman, uh, she starts this video and she's got like, I don't know, maybe like 100 keys on a ring. So you're kind of like, what's the deal? Why do you have 100 keys? Yeah. And then she's got, uh, you know, maybe some sort of like Eastern Bloc accent. Fine. But it just sort of adds to this. Yeah, as- like this- there's
1: no nudity in it, but she's like visibly, she's obviously dropping pants. She's not wearing uh some sort of black garment underneath. Yeah. And, and then there's actual flaming poo shown.
2: There's flaming poo shown. They, they cut to a shot of her with all, you know, her pants down, but she's taken her boots and her socks off. It's all very odd. It just gets weirder and weirder the, the longer this video goes on.
1: See, so a little bit like this podcast yeah, right now. Well, yeah. Well, you can go weird either way with, with, um, with some sort of a uh, toilet technology demo. And that is to either go realistic or go, um, with a black body suit underneath your clothing. So,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. It got my attention, uh, nonetheless. So let's, let's talk nuts and bolts about this too. Like, yeah. you know, what, when we're talking about building a better bot and we're really thinking about it more as uh, you know, we're going to anthropomorphize it and think about it as us, right? As this right. version of ourselves, what are we thinking about?
1: Well, one of the big things is sensitivity to the environment that the robot mm-hmm. is working in. And um, on one level, that in- involves just being able to move through it, being able to navigate it, but also being able to just think of your sense of touch. Yeah. Um, like the best example of this for me uh, would be astronaut gloves. Like one of the big issues with astronaut gloves has been you you put these guys up in space and they're going to be working on something really delicate. But they can't just take their gloves off and work with their bare hands. Obviously, right. they have to wear gloves and you cannot wear normal gloves, especially normal uh, big thick gloves for space without losing a certain amount of sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Now, with a robot you're building, you're just building it all up from the bottom up. So like where do you where do you put the sensors on the on the feelers or on the bot itself? Uh, could you give it a skin that enables it to feel all over like a person?
2: Right, so if it bumped into you, it would know. It would
1: know if you bumped into it. Right. And also, just think of uh, manipulation. Like, mm-hmm. even just imagine the, the robot just had the feeling uh, of a human hand mm-hmm. on its manipulators. Uh, it would enable it to to be far more delicate with something. Uh, and in this case, it would be handling <laughs> delicate right. things. It would be handling us.
2: Sponge bath, for instance. Right.
1: You don't want something that's just a, a big metal um claw on the end of a of an arm. You want yeah. something that has a certain amount of sensitivity to it.
2: Right. You don't want to get bashed over the head with a bar of soap. Right. Yeah. Um so yeah, there's this thing called Roboskin and this is this is from a fast company's article robot skin can feel touch sense chemicals and soak up solar power it says what we're talking about is a super intelligent skin designed by a stanford university researcher it's solar powered and when the skin is subjected to pressure the current flowing through the embedded transistors is modified as tiny pyramid shapes molded into the polymer layer compress resulting in a super sensitive transducer that can apparently detect the pressure from a housefly's feet just wow. so cool.
1: Crisscross nanometer scale wires topped with a thin rubber sheet. I like it.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just think that it's it's an amazing uh, technology in and of itself. And, of course, they think that, too, because it's not just uh, for androids, although that's what it's intended for. Um it, They can also use it to coat uh, cars or military vehicles or even soldiers' uniforms could act as biosensors mm-hmm. and solar power generators. And also
1: think of the possibilities for prosthetics. Yeah. 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 And again, for, um, the, for astronaut gloves or, or even like, forget the astronaut for, um, like a robotic, uh, yeah. exploring pro- probe where a person could say put on a pair of, uh, a pair of gloves on Earth and feel with, uh, with a, with a very human, uh, tactile response, mm-hmm. uh, an object on another planet.
2: Right. Yeah. And try to describe that and the, the texture of it and so on and so forth. Um, of course, I can't help but think that it's going to be used on Roxy the robot. Uh, this is, you well, know, that's the, the no, sex bot.
1: Yeah, but that that's would, on the market right now. Yeah, but that's in in the words of uh, of Arkin, uh, the professor, Dr. Arkin, Ronald, Dr. Arkin. Ronald Arkin. Uh, that's a bad robot. That's just not a like a very good robot at all. I know, but so this I is I something see, that could improve. It could Roxy. in theory, but I don't see Roxy getting the kind of funding. Uh, where uh, she can benefit from this kind of sensitivity. Yeah, they're
2: going to have to do something about that tinny voice first. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it says things like, that gets me hot.
1: Well, well, you bring up Roxy. As I recall, Roxy was originally a a nursing project, and then they decided that they wanted to make some fast cash on it.
2: Yeah. That's how all innovation seems to be yeah. uh, generated these days. Uh, but let's talk about let's talk about this thing called the JAST robot and mirror neurons, because this is really important um, in terms of how we communicate with one another, right?
1: Yeah, and this comes down to it. Like, again, we were talking about you want a robot that can live in a human environment, which is not just dealing with the human space in a safe way, but also dealing with the presence of humans mm-hmm. and being able to read them. And, uh, and so this... This is something that just comes naturally to humans because we have we we grow up around other humans, most humans anyway. Uh, we we have this theory of mind, and anytime you're encountering somebody, you're you're picking up on so many different things. You're picking mm-hmm. up on on what they're saying, their tone, their their what their eyes are doing, what their hands are doing, what their you know their basic expression, their body language. Uh, All these different factors. Because
2: you're trying to get into their head, right? right? Which uh, inadvertently allows you to empathize with another person, right? Yeah, right. And so, like, if you smile, then then you know, somewhere in in my muscles, I start to smile back, and I start it starts to send these signals to my brain that this is funny, or we're having fun, or or something along those lines, right? And that's how that's how we communicate with one another,
1: right? We we read so many different signals. Mm -hmm. So could you could you create a robot? Create, well, more to the point, could you create an artificial intelligence that was capable of quickly analyzing all that data mm-hmm. and at least getting some semblance of what the the mood is? Because, uh, and imagine in a nursing environment, uh, this would, in theory, enable a robot to tell if an individual was having some sort of a an episode, if they were they were distraught over something, right. if they were in pain. Uh, I mean, especially with um I'm thinking of uh, like Alzheimer's patients, uh, you know, offhand, because yeah. a lot of times these are people who aren't in in a condition anymore to really express what they're feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, so you really need a human to be able to check on them. Uh, but if a human is not immediately available, then it would be nice to have a robot that would be able to say, Oh, well, this person is experiencing some degree of pain. Um, we need to get somebody in here to check on them.
2: Right, right. And so this is the, the idea of this JAST robot, which is, by the way, funded by the European Union because they've got some interest in this, right? Into mm-hmm. creating this technology to help the population as a whole. And it, it is, um, it's predicated on the notion of mirror neurons, right? It's trying to use the same sort of circuitry model mm-hmm. okay and and the way that the robot can predict behavior so it's actually trying to analyze the person's behavior and, and figure out when there's been an error and of course when we talk about um, you know it, uh, the more complex things like checking in on a person and seeing if they're emotionally okay. This is not something that the robot can do quite yet, Mm -hmm. but these are the first steps. And so, for instance, the robots were programmed to help a person assemble a complicated toy. Um, These robots could analyze the person's actions as the person worked on the assemblage and then offer suggestions by locating the proper tool to complete the assembly. So at this point, it's more like a, a helper uh, a partner robot which i think is really interesting by the way the semantics of that a partner robot right um but it's not necessarily something that can be like hey how are you feeling today <laughs> yeah you know would you like some soup it's, it's cold outside uh but maybe i mean these again these are the first steps to trying to get robots to to be able to deal with the complex machines that we are right of course this would make us want to dress up our robots right
1: well yeah and you can already dress up your household robots to a certain degree you can buy these uh Like furry covers to put over your Roombas.
2: Yep. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a bit right after this.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Intel, the sponsors of Tomorrow, and the Discovery Channel. At Intel, we believe curiosity is the spark which drives innovation. Join us at Curiosity.com and explore the answers to life's questions.
1: So we're dressing up our robots. Yes. Putting furry costumes on our Roombas so that they look like uh, circular mice or something—I don't know—with uh, faces on top. Maybe okay. we just want them to, you know, buddy up to the cat more. I don't know. Yeah, a um, little
2: friend for the cat. Let's not forget the the pets out there,
1: right? And and there is the you know the whole idea. Do you want to make the, the to make the more the robot more relatable? Uh, a, do we make it look more human? And B, does the The operator, the owner, or the beneficiary of its service uh, have some input into how it dresses.
2: Well, okay. So uh, the Swedish Institute of Computer Science has actually been studying how much we have the ability to anthropomorphize Mm -hmm. uh, robots by dressing up some off-the-shelf bots that are available right now, (laughs) which I think is funny, right? Right. So they're taking, um, you know, something like the Pleo, the the pet dinosaur, Uh and They've been giving, uh, or they actually have been programming it so that, you know, if you, if you change the outfit, it will actually act differently accordingly to how you dress up your, your pet dinosaur. So also, you know, just keep in mind that the, that Plio is able to learn as you play. And, uh, so, you know, you can manipulate its behavior a bit. So if you give Plio a special watchdog necklace, the robot remains active and on guard. I'm putting, you know, air quotes on on guard. You can change the costume from, um, that necklace to pajamas, and the robot would slowly switch into sleep mode. Huh. Uh, the costumes or accessories you choose communicate electronically with robots program, and its behavior follows suit. Okay, so these are just a couple of things that you can do, and they've also experimented with the Roomba, which I think is really interesting. They have these patches that they put on the Roomba, and again, it will behave uh, accordingly to to whatever this patch is displaying so they've got a patch that can um make the roomhouse seem aggressive <laughs> or curious or shy it'll actually like hide under the sofa and the whole idea is that robots can seem more natural like these are the first steps again to trying to you know make us feel a little bit more comfortable with robots in our atmosphere and to and to study how we behave and how we really project our feelings onto these inanimate objects. Really. And as we discussed
1: in the last podcast, sometimes that is people just taking out their aggressions on the robots. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And again, that this is also in conjunction with Lyric program, which is the, the living with robots um, yes. program that we talked about before. Robot house. Robot house. Yeah. Again, the, a great reality series just you know, waiting to be made.
1: Well, it, this leads us in, inevitably to the uncanny valley and discussion of the uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. Um, this term, of course, is thrown around a lot. Uh, especially in terms of hollywood animated films uh video games uh we we've all seen it before you're they're trying to create a lifelike semblance of a human being say in a you know a cutscene in a game or or um, uh what was it the polar express movie with tom hanks oh you know? yeah
2: which apparently that was uh, just a a a tragedy a huge mistake right because yeah. Everybody, or most people know who Tom Hanks is, a uh, very warm and engaging person, right? Right. At least that's the persona that comes off. And all of a sudden you have a dead-eyed Tom Hanks, and it's yeah, very it's like, disturbing. It's and like Leatherface is wearing tale.
1: his face or something. Yeah, and, Yes,
2: uh, yes Leatherface and a Christmas tale.
1: Yeah, it's uh, this, this all goes back to a 1970 paper uh, in the journal Energy where roboticist uh, Masahiro Mori, uh proposed that robots that are too human-like can veer into unsettling territory. Uh and ba- basically to get real like number centric about it. Um you can make a robot up to 95% realistic mm-hmm. the theory says and it's great. Like oh this robot is 94% looks like a person that's amazing. 95% that's awesome. But then yeah. once you hit that 96% the like the the, the space between 95% and 100% uh, human uh, looking is just creepy. That's the that's the theory.
2: That's the theory, and the theory is that on a psychological level, our minds are perceiving the robot-human facsimile as, as dead, right? Or mm-hmm. an unhealthy human, or, you know, on some, I guess, primal level, like it, it's d- decaying, it's not alive. Right. And so we back away. Again, this is the theory.
1: There's some, there's some disagreements on it. I mean, mm-hmm. especially when you get outside of its applications in entertainment and really start looking at robotics again, mm-hmm. where, where the term was originally, um you know, you know d- disgust. And, uh, there, there's some studies that have found that, uh, that really it's more about the mismatch. It's about, uh, Oh, it has really cool looking skin. The skin yeah. looks very human, but the, the eyes are obviously mechanical.
2: The eyes are too big. Right. And so they're not matching up to the rest of your expectation. And that's what's unsettling.
1: There's a, there's an interesting book, uh, called the Wind Up girl. I think I may have mentioned it before. Sci-fi book, uh, tied for Hugo award, uh, last year, I think. And, uh, the title character, the wind-up girl, is an artificial human mm-hmm. that is created by Japanese scientists, and this is in the future and all. But they end up programming um, – they call them the, the wind-up wind girl, or they call them wind-up girls because they have programmed in an, um, a kind of wind-up movement to their mm-hmm. bodies that they can't quite uh, control.
2: Oh, so they don't have smooth motor uh, coordination. Right, or, because yeah.
1: they didn't want them to look too human. They wanted to keep the Uncanny Valley um, – in place to mm-hmm. a certain degree so that they would be marked.
2: Uh, uh, ah, yeah. okay. So this is sort of like that whole problem in Blade Runner with replicants, right? right. Like how, trying yeah. to figure out like, how do you tell which one's a replicant? Yeah. Who's the human? Who's the replicant? They said,
1: instead of giving it a complicated test about a turtle on a fence post yeah. to bring the whole empathy thing into play, let's just watch them walk down the street. Right. And you'll be able to tell right away. Right. Um. So, so anyway, there, there's the one idea that it's a mismatch. It's like, oh, well, it looks like a person, but it's moving weird. Mm-hmm. Uncanny Valley. Um, but then there there have been some other uh, recent studies like there was one study by Carl Mcdorman director of Android Science Center at Indiana University and um, he found that the uncanny effects seemed to be tied to gender uh they found that, um, that they, oh yeah yeah they rolled out some various robots and uh and they found that women subjects were sympathetic to um the the, the to the uh requests of the robot um whether they were uh, represented as a person or poorly, poorly rendered uh, computer animation. Okay. And, and this,
2: is this the scenario where they're, they're uh, acting at this role as doctor? And yes. And these are yeah. patients. So one is a human patient and one is um, a, com- a computer yes, animated.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, that's right. They're not really robots, but it's, yeah. you know, it's the idea of here's, here's a person, here's a facsimile of a person. Yeah. Um, and then let's see how they respond to it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the men sided with the real patient, uh, but not the uncanny computer generated one where the women were far more likely to side with the sympathetic one.
2: Because they had empathy across the board, right? right?
1: Which interestingly enough, I think ties in nicely with something we discussed in, uh, the, uh, one of our early episodes about a year ago, uh, the idea that in the future, the human race will be composed entirely of women and their robotic partners. That's right. Yeah. We did talk about yeah. that,
2: yes, Uh and uh, for for many, many, many reasons. Uh But this is not actually yeah. probably going to come
1: to fruition. But no, it was no, an I idea. Think, I think it might. You uh, do. May, you're, you're betting I think, on it. I think it will, because look at it. The men can't get along with anybody. They can't get along with the men. They can't get along with the women all that well, and they can't get along with the robots.
2: Well, but you know, I always take issue with it because I think, well, yeah, women are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm one of them, but that does not make us like altruistic. Like you know, the best. Humans on the earth. I mean, I'm going to say it. We're a little bit flawed.
1: Yeah. Well, way, way to cover up for the, the female. No, no, plot we are we're awesome in
2: so many different ways. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm digging myself in here a little bit.
1: I was reading a really interesting article in popular mechanics called the truth about robotics, robotics, uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. And they discussed uh, several of these different studies and scenarios. And they uh, ended up uh, making the case that, that when it comes to robots, this, the, the uncanny valley is largely hypothetical mm-hmm. and it largely, becomes less of an issue when humans are actually face to face with the robots and dealing with the robots on a on a on a one on one basis.
2: Yeah, that's what I read too, is that, you know, it's just the Uncanny Valley is just a big sweeping generalization in that um you know, it's basically a short-lived psychological state that we're in when we're looking at the robot. But once you get comfortable with it, mm-hmm. that all of that sort of falls away and you begin to, to project your feelings onto it no matter what.
1: It's, I mean, it's like anytime we humans deal with with other humans and encounter a little bit of the uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, if, if, you, if you're ever talking to somebody for the first time and they maybe have like one of their eyes is, you know, pointing out a little to the side, kind of a, like a Farce Whitaker type of thing, you know? Okay. You know, it can be a, it, it can be a little like off-putting at first, but then mm-hmm. you get used to it and cause it's a, it's a person, you know, and, uh, right. and you, uh, you, you sort of jive with their particular uh, appearance and their particular energy or even if it's just something as weird as like somebody's got a strange scar, or, you know, or a strange blemish on their face or, you know, a Satan goatee or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah.
2: So you think that Uncanny Valley underestimates our ability to, to, to be adaptable and flexible and, and actually our empathy too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I think we tend to overcome a lot of these things. It's kind of like with noise, you know, people were like, Oh, how can somebody live next to train tracks or how or next to an airport? But people do live next to train stations and airports, uh, et cetera. And they get used to it because humans can adapt to, to well, not everything, but to, to. Almost anything.
2: So this, this is something that, um, I've been wondering about. I know that the vo- voice recognition, um, is a big problem with robots right now, at least the technology that exists. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that something along the lines of 80% of these programs can successfully, uh, take what you're saying and actually understand it and, and respond accordingly. So that's something that in the future, obviously, that's gonna, will be, you know, Solved.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel like I maybe I only hear 80% of what I'm listening to. So, well,
2: yeah, exactly. I know, right? So it could be as good as any caregiver out there. Right. Um, but I, I sort of wondered, like now that that Suri is on the new uh, iPhone, like is this, (laughs) you know, apparently like this voice recognition technology is great and will only get better. So I would like to hear from people who have Surrey right now and see, you know, would you say that she has an 80% or better uh chance at guessing what you're saying?
1: And why is she named after Tom Cruise's child, right? Exactly. Yeah.
2: Why why his daughter. Yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of Steve Jobs joke in there, but that, that that's a great unsolved mystery. So
1: yeah, so there's some ideas about where caregiving robots are going in the future, what the technology is looking like now, how it's shaping up and yeah. what it might look like. So I would be very interested to hear from uh, everyone out there. I mean, wh- I mean, what you think about this uh, for yourselves going forward and especially anybody who has dealt with caregiving situations, yeah. uh, you know, be it a you know a, a parent or a grandparent, um, you know. Or
2: yourself or, I mean, yeah. yeah. So um, and also your robot, your caregiving robot, naked or dressed up? That's what I want to know.
1: <laughs> well, it, or yeah, or more to the point, so a robot, say a robot's helping you use the restroom in your in your your golden years, do do you want it to look like a person? Do you want it to look like a bear? Do you want it to, to look like just a thing? Do you want it to basically look like a you know a side table that uh, you know that lifts up and down? I I don't know.
2: Well, and you know, do you want the sort of end user features that your iPhone has, so that you can change you know certain aspects of its appearance, you know, of its screen? Mm-hmm. Um, particularly when you go to the to the restroom. Yeah, and yeah.
1: then and then this also ties in. You have a robot that's helping you go to the restroom. Yeah, privacy issues come into to play too because mm-hmm. if you have a robot that, in order to navigate your space, is constantly recording, constantly taking note of everything. Right. You don't want your bathroom helper robot to get a virus or get hacked. You know, that's gross. Right.
2: Right. And then just you know, all of a sudden, update your Facebook page and whatever that's going to be in the future to say, yeah. My charge just went to the bathroom. Ha, ha, ha.
1: Yeah, you don't want it tweeting about, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was coming from the right place. The robot's like, yay, another successful bowel movement. And then it tweets it. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I don't know if these are missives that we need to to hear about. Maybe in the future that's what people will want.
1: All right, well, uh, let's have our helper bot hand us some listener mail. Thank
2: you, helper bot.
1: So uh, we heard uh, this time from a listener by the name of Mark Illing, and uh, I'm using his full name because Mark is an artist, and uh, he has a fan page on Facebook. You can check it out, and he has all, all his art shared there. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Mark, Mark writes in and says, I just finished listening to your most recent episode about art. This would be This Is Your Brain on Art. Mm-hmm. And I was very pleased to hear a different perspective on some of the artists that I've been studying for the past few years. Currently, I'm a student at Emily Carr University of Art and Design in Vancouver, where I'm in my final year. For a while now, I've been thinking about the idea of innate beauty. A concept like symmetry, for example, expresses itself as a visual that has, been, that has an inherent appeal. In biological terms... A mate, of course, is more attractive if their features appear more symmetrical. Uh, this idea is pretty straightforward. Beyond just the sexual appeal of symmetry, however, there is also the uh, specific optical effect which occurs when an image, whether very simply or complex, is mirrored. In regards to my practice, I attempt to be very conscious of these, notion, these notions of innate beauty. Um, and he goes on. And he shares a lot of really cool ideas with us. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, I'd be very uh, pleased if you had to look at my Facebook page. Hopefully some of what I'm talking about will become a little more apparent. If you go to the first image in my gallery, you will find uh, my biggest project so far, which is taking about 174 hours at this point. It is done with .003 millimeter dots... In order to further pursue visual complexity, which has its own specific capacity for drawing in a viewer, at least I hope so. Anyways, that is it. I really appreciate your podcast, and I have been a regular listener since way back when you were still stuff from the science lab. The show just gets getting better and better. Thank you very much. Mark.
2: Thanks, Mark. I was um, so pleased that we heard from an artist on this because, you know... You and I are artists with words on the written page, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That might be going a little too far. But um, I did want to hear from a visual artist to, to hear their take on what beauty is and symmetry and some of these different ideas that we were talking about.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and do check out uh, his Facebook page if you want to see his art. Uh, yeah. I think it's like facebook.com slash mrk.illi. So check that out. And uh, certainly uh, any other artists out there and are uh, listening to us. uh, We'd love to hear what you had to say about the Art on the Brain podcast. And we'd love to share uh, examples of your work on our Facebook page. So let us know. And if you would like to share any of that uh, with us, uh, be it on Facebook or Twitter, and if you have anything to say about helper robots and the future, uh, again, Facebook, Twitter, we're blow the mind on both of those.
2: And you can always drop us a line at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow.
0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. From football playoffs to basketball madness.